to the How Did They Do It Real Estate Podcast. Have you ever wondered how people succeed in real estate and what steps they took to get there? If so, this podcast is for you. Your hosts, Sayla and Eileen Prack, interview top experts in the real estate community to share with you their real estate journey and how they achieved massive success. Our goal is to provide you with valuable real estate resources and to help you apply it to your own real estate goals. Welcome everyone to today's episode of the How Did They Do It Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Eileen Prack. And today our guest is Amy Silvis. And a little bit about Amy, prior to working in multifamily real estate, she spent 13 years in the pharmaceutical and biotech industries. And she was drawn into the industry because she was able to serve people while they battled serious health challenges. And today she's had the opportunity to join Quattro Capital, and she's both active on the GP and LP side of apartments in Tennessee and Georgia, and is continuing to grow her portfolio with the goal of achieving the five freedoms in the next couple of years. So welcome to the show, Amy. How are you doing today? Eileen, thank you so much for having me. I can't tell you what a pleasure this is. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much as well, Amy. So I'd love to start off the show with you sharing a little bit more about your background and how you got started in real estate. Absolutely. So I am currently in Los Angeles, California. I live in Pasadena, where actually I was born and raised with my parents and large extended family. We love it out here. Uh, we're very close to our family. So I live with my husband and we've been married for several years. As you mentioned, Eileen, I come from the biotech industry. I was really interested in kind of helping folks, finding ways to really have massive impact on people when they were kind of struggling at their most. I think where that desire came from is I actually have a little bit of a unique story. I was born with cystic fibrosis. And for anyone who doesn't know what that is, it is a a progressive, very serious lung condition. Thankfully, I've been decently healthy most of my life. But what was so interesting growing up is I had this keen sense of wanting to obviously be independent and take care of myself, but knowing because I could face serious health decline really at any time, that trading my time for money might not always be possible as I got older. So you know, I didn't want to burden my parents. They worked a very, very difficult blue-collar jobs. My father at 67 actually still does manual labor. And it really led me into real estate. I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad kind of halfway through my early 30s and realized that trading time for money wasn't something I had to do. There was another equation. There was another way that I could care for myself, provide for myself, and even hopefully spoil my parents by passive income and multifamily. So it was really an eye-opening and exciting realization. And not only was real estate, did I understand through reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad, that real estate was a vehicle for money, but it's also this incredible vehicle to serve others, which is something that really helps me get a lot out of life. So whether taking care of residents or our investors, or even the folks, you know, in the neighborhoods where we were able to have great impact. It was just great ability to serve others in that respect. So that's a little bit about kind of where I came from and what got me into real estate initially. Yeah, absolutely. I totally resonate with you, especially with the time freedom aspect of things, you know, because we realize on this time that we have here on earth, it's so precious. There's not that much time out there to do everything that we want to do. And so like, if we're always constantly competing for our times in areas mm. where we're not the most happy about, we're losing that special time that we, we, we're, we're trying to create. And so 
that time freedom has also resonates with me in terms of like, I definitely see that as being one of the most important factors in our journey as well. So well said. So, so well said. And I think everyone can relate to that. If there's a way to buy more time, I think all of us would sign up. (laughs) (laughs) I know. And so you mentioned that you were born with cystic fibrosis. So I wanted to ask a little bit about that, if you don't mind. Please, I'm an open Um, book. (laughs) So growing up with this condition, have you ever saw it as an obstacle, as something that you had to overcome? Or is it something that was just kind of part of you and it kind of drove you to do more? Like, how did your condition kind of fit into your whole like perspective and outlook on life? Great question. Thank you so much for asking that. You know, quite honestly, I had to grow up pretty quickly as a youngster. I, when I was born, my parents were told I would maybe live to be about 16 years old. Spoiler alert, I just turned 40. (laughs) So there's a great end to this story, but I was in and out of the hospital quite a bit and became kind of cognizant of the extra burden I had growing up with not really knowing what might happen to my lifespan or doing a lot of kind of breathing treatments and such at home. But the bottom line is, it is quite amazing how much maybe struggle and adversity, especially for myself, can help us all understand what really matters in life. You know, I was laser focused and understood at a young age how important it was to surround myself with obviously my incredible family, you know, physicians, support group, friends, all of that, which is really a blessing because especially growing up in LA, you can imagine kind of all the distractions and (laughs) different ways to think about life. I was very, very blessed that cystic fibrosis kept me grounded and it really helped me hone in on what I wanted out of life and how did I want to get there? What, what were the steps that I wanted to take to be very intentional, even from a young age, starting in high school of where I wanted my life to go, what I needed to do to get there. And also, you know, what help I needed from other folks around me. Does that answer your question? Yeah, no, that was really beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing. Of course. Um, I love your mentality and how you're coming about it because you never saw it as a being a challenge, but you saw it as a way to rise up to the challenge and to propel yourself forward. And you never saw it as a really as an, as an obstacle, but instead more of as a, as a gift to really appreciate the time that you have right now and utilize the time to the fullest, pretty much. Absolutely. It's uh, and I'm not going to say, you know, it was all roses and unicorns and, and all of that. For sure. I had times where, you know, I needed to pick myself up, but you know, we've all gone through that. Everyone has a story of when they've been knocked down and I love the quote and I wish I knew who said it, but it's in life, it's not whether you get knocked down, it's if you get back up. And uh, that's really where the victory is by getting back up. And so through your journey here, how did you come across multifamily and real estate? And how did you see that as a tool and as a vehicle to help you achieve your time freedom and to get to where you wanted to be? Definitely. I just happened to run across Robert Kiyosaki's Rich Dad, Poor Dad book at the Santa Monica Library. I had just graduated from getting my MBA and I was still thirsty and hungry to read more, to continue to grow my brain. And as all of us know, formal education, no matter how advanced, doesn't necessarily teach you how to be an entrepreneur, let alone how to have passive income. That book really opened up my brain and helped me kind of have the mindset of understanding passive income, cash flow. And as I read more and more books, not only by Robert Kiyosaki, but other authors, multifamily really stood out as such a powerful way to meet kind of my dual goals of 
being in charge of my time and also serving others. But it was a long journey to get into multifamily. Quite honestly, I tried and failed numerous times. And from the time I kind of decided I want to be in the industry to closing my first deal was about 10 years, believe it or not. So it was quite the <laughs> kind of, you know, peaks and valleys and, and all of that. But I knew it was a journey that I needed to take, I wanted to take, and that would get me where I wanted to go in life. So 10 years, you said, from the moment that you decided <laughs> to be in multifamily to where you were able to close your first deal. What kind of drove you to continue on and persevere and not give up? Because, you know, for some people, 10 years is quite a long time. But for other people, you know, 10 years is not very long at all. It's, I question myself as well. <laughs> God and I had many conversations over the 10 years of, you know, why is this still on my heart? Why do I still feel such a strong need? I just, I couldn't get it off my mind, quite frankly. And it just felt like such a powerful answer to how I wanted to design my life. We talked about cystic fibrosis. And during that 10-year time period, I was in and out of the hospital with lung infections. And I really struggled as my health kind of continued to progress. And it held me a bit back. Not a bit. It held me a lot back from trying to get into this industry. Thankfully, in 2019, a new drug came onto the market for CF. And that's why my health is so amazing right now. But I think the one thing that I wish I could have realized during that 10-year journey was how much partnering with other folks would have helped me regardless of my health. I'm a kind of a strong, independent, go-do-it type person. And doing it myself was just kind of something that came naturally. So I think that 10-year time period would have been rapidly progressed had I teamed up with a team that you know I'm now associated with. And so how did you end up meeting the team members that you've met now? And what did you do differently to meet them versus, you know, along your career path prior to that? Uh, what did you do a little bit differently this time around? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think the last best decision was to get kind of a more formal education. I invested in a coach. I invested in a mentor. I took some more formal classes, which allowed me to kind of be around more like-minded people. I happened to listen to a podcast where a gentleman was talking about how real estate for him wasn't just a vehicle towards wealth. It was a vehicle towards what you and I have talked about here several times to be able to control where he lives, how he spends his time, who he's around, what charities he could give to. And my head kind of popped off as I listened to this podcast because I thought, I haven't heard other people talk like this. I didn't know other people in this industry thought like me that valued, you know, a bit more. There's something wrong with getting wealthy. There, you know, money definitely is an incredible tool, but thought about kind of real estate from a different perspective. So I think this that man has been on this podcast before. You guys may know Maurice Philogene, but I reached out to him and we just had an incredible discussion about what we were doing in the industry, what our goals were, and things thankfully synced up. He had a joint venture opportunity. And I think that's another thing that some folks can successfully take advantage of is investing in other people's projects passively to be able to learn how they do things, to be able to get more hands-on opportunity in the industry. So I invested in one of Maurice's deals that, you know, they were then Quattro Capital. And I just kept asking Maurice and the Quattro Capital team how I could help. I think 
just being able to learn, to be able to experience and get to know them better by not asking anything back from them, but simply asking what I could do to be of value and genuinely in my heart, not having an expectation of, of anything back, just giving freely as abundantly as I could. It really helped build the relationship with this incredible team that I'm so grateful to be a part of as an Alliance partner. We love hosting this show. When we started this podcast, we were doing all the editing and post-production ourselves. Now, we are very excited to have this particular company as a partner of the show to do all the post-production for us, because it gives us the freedom to focus on the two things we care about, serving you, our listener, at a higher level and growing our own multifamily business. If you are like Sayla and me, then you want to add value to others while scaling your business. A podcast is the best way to do both, and we invite you to contact Adam Adams. He can help you launch your podcast, market your show for more listeners, and take all the post-production off your plate so you can focus on your business instead of in it. Listeners of this show can get a free consultation with Adam. To schedule your free consultation, find the link in the show notes. Yes, absolutely. We had Maurice. We had the honor of having Maurice on as mm-hmm. our guest. I believe he was episode number 26. So he was one of our first couple of guests there. So we were so fortunate to have him on. And and yes, I totally agree with you. He was such an amazing speaker. And just from where he comes from and like the message he gives and everything like that, it really resonated with us also. And it was just the message he was sending was very powerful. And and I really enjoyed that that interview with him. Love it. I've already listened to that podcast twice and I may go listen to it again after this. It's so inspirational. Yes. <laughs> he is the most interesting man in the world, personified, no doubt. Oh, <laughs> yes. And so one thing that you had mentioned also as you were looking to be part of a group or you know, try to get a little bit more involved was always taking a look at yourself and seeing how you can add value to other people. You know, I think that that's a really great way to kind of approach things is seeing how you can add value to other people. But how did you know what value you had to bring to the table? You know, for somebody who's just getting started, they might not know what value they have at this point because maybe they don't have the experience. They might not necessarily have the capital. How did you figure out what your value proposition was? Absolutely. I love, love, love that question because I think doing that really was a turning point for me because you know, there are two ways to approach adding value is you identify the group that you kind of want to add value to and figure out what their needs are, which I think is a very powerful thing to do. And I can talk a bit about how I did that with Quattro. But then also, as you mentioned, having an introspective kind of conversation or assessment of yourself to figure out what your superpower is. And I think we've all heard Dr. Aaron Hudson of Quattro. I keep name dropping, but I promise this is organic. Erin <laughs> talks a lot about finding your superpower and understanding that because this business is a team sport, if you really hone in on what your God-given talents are, your skills are, your passion, you can add so much to every group. So I was able to identify within Quattro Capital that they kind of had a need for market research. And thankfully, that was an area that came naturally to me. I'm used to analyzing data in the biotech space, whether it was for my career or as I learned about kind of treat and get great outcomes out of my own illness that I've had to battle. It was a great fit there. And of course, asking questions, being present, being available. There's a lot that can be taught in this industry, but bringing your own integrity, bringing your own work ethic, that in itself can be incredibly valuable to any team, right? Those skills aren't always able to be taught. So leading with 
kind of those values and then doing a self-assessment. I think also having a coach. I don't know about you, but I feel like I always have blind spots. And that's one of the amazing ways a coach can help and has helped me understand. I think of myself in a certain way because I'm with myself all day long, but having a coach who can have an honest conversation with, hey, Amy, you know, I see you do this well, or I see you have areas of improvement there. That can really give an objective way to identify skills that may be valuable or invaluable to a team that anyone's looking to join. Does that answer your question? Yes, it does. Thank you so much, Amy. Yeah. And so how long did it take you to determine that this group was a good fit for you and and that the same thing for them to feel the same way about you? You know, was this a conversation that happened over one, two conversations, a little bit longer? Can you talk to us about that time frame? Yeah, I would say it was close to a six-month process. I which of course I'm kind of a fire ready aim. <laughs> Six month dating process. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Right. And I love that analogy. I'm, like, I'm going to take that from, I'm going to steal that from you if you don't mind. No, of I love that. <laughs> you know, it was, yeah, from the initial conversation when Maurice and I were kind of getting to know each other, I actually brought a deal for Quattro to sponsor about a month or two after he and I spoke. Unfortunately, the deal fell through because of COVID, but a few months later, I decided to invest in one of their JV deals. And then, you know, we kind of continued the conversation. So I think it was, although I would have liked the process always to be shorter, it was a very healthy time period for us to be able to get to know each other over, you know, several scenarios and separate circumstances and just over time to make sure our values lined up, our goals and, and all of that. So it was, it was thorough, which I appreciate. Got it. Thank you for sharing all of that, Amy. I really appreciate it. So over the time, over your journey so far, what has been that one biggest challenge that you had faced as you've gotten to where you are today? I think I had shiny red ball syndrome. <laughs> I, that, term, <laughs> that term may be overused. I don't know in our industry, but it, it feels so descriptive. Living in Los Angeles, I knew very clearly that this wasn't going to be a market. And Eileen, you understand that too, being mm-hmm. uh, you know where you live in California. I knew likely finding a multifamily pro- area, a multifamily property in, in our state was very likely not going to cash flow, very likely would, would not fit my goals for investing. So looking outside of California, you know, looking east, there are a lot of states <laughs> as we look out over that horizon and really trying to figure out you know, what market not only had opportunity, but had kind of the right job growth and, you know, all the, all the criteria and statistics. Uh, my vision was to cast a wide net to, I thought, increase my chances of landing a property, get my first deal done. But it really wasn't until I decided to hone in on a specific state and even a specific market within the state to build those broker relationships, to understand the local economy to be able to speak like an expert, not only to my brokers, my sponsors, which were eventually Quattro Capital, and even investors, that I was really able to kind of accelerate my trajectory towards getting my first property under contract and then ultimately closed. So I think being a little less scatterbrained and a bit more honed in and focused seemed counterintuitive to me, but ended up serving me that much better. And so, Amy, if someone was wanting to start in real estate right now, what is that one thing that they can do right now to kind of get them started down the right path? Oh, I love that. I love that. Well, I would say 
you know, I recently read this book called The Go-Giver. And I think, I mean, I think you intuitively believe this as I do. If you want something, it's time to start giving. And the more that you give, the more that you will receive at the risk of sounding corny. It's a powerful mentality when you want to enter in any new area, whether you're looking to, to start a new business, a new career, even in personal life. I would suggest folks figure out a way to solve other people's problems or give of their time or give of their, give of their talents to other people that are already in the industry. Find people that are where you want to be and uh, find a way to kind of be around them, spend time with them. And probably the best way to do that is, is to start giving. Yes. Thank you, Amy. I love that. That's really great advice. Thank you so much. So what's really next for you, Amy? What are you looking to focus on next? Well, my husband and I are very, very focused on children's charities. We have, my husband and I have had a lifelong dream to find a way, especially in Los Angeles, to be able to give back to underserved and underprivileged children. And we're also looking for a way to give back to children that have chronic illnesses, such as, you know, what I grew up with. So the vehicle for that will absolutely be acquiring more multifamily. We're currently looking in the Southeast and the Midwest at a large portfolio. So we'll continue on that hunt as we aim to get my husband out of the rat race. That's kind of our next goal and be able to have more control over our time and our geography. And how has real estate investing impacted your life so far? Gosh, it's been tremendous. I am a people person. I get so much out of meeting new people, figuring out what makes them tick, understanding their story. And it's been such a tremendous opportunity to get to know people from all walks of life, whether, you know, Quattro Capital, my sponsors, amazing people like you, Miss Eileen, uh, investors, even some of our tenants it's really given me an opportunity to find countless more ways than in my previous role in biotech to serve others and give to them. So I can tell a quick story. The property that we just closed on about a month ago, we found out that the previous owner had put a woman that was bound to a wheelchair on a second story apartment building that we now own Um, We had no idea until our property manager called us about a week after closing to alert us that this poor woman was scooting down the stairs on her tush because she had been placed in this second story apartment building. And I mentioned that story because to me, it's such a powerful um, kind of answer to your question of how real estate has impacted me, because it's such a privilege to be able to know that I have the resources, the power. And of course, the heart to be able to serve a woman like her and give her dignity and of course, safety by making sure she's in an apartment that you know suits her needs. Her life is already difficult enough being in a first floor apartment building that's safe and secure and is affordable to her. It's just kind of one small example of why I love this industry so much because I can help people even if it's in the smallest ways. Yes. And then you can definitely see the direct impact that you have on not only their lives, but the community as well. Absolutely. That's exactly right. And so Amy, what is the one thing that sets the successful people apart in real estate investing? Oh, that's a powerful question. I would say folks you are associated with, I believe that your tribe dictates so much about how you think, the actions you take, the standards you set for yourself, and can really multiply your 
your success. So being around, I, I consistently see top performers and folks that, that are really able to accelerate their business. They're always either talking to, doing business with, getting mentorship from other people that are either where they want to be or you know have a longevity in the industry. I think being around like-minded folks just has such a powerful impact on all of us. Awesome. Well, Amy, thank you so much for sharing your story today. I really appreciate you know you coming on and really sharing like so much of your life with us and <laughs> and the struggles that you've had to face and not even really struggles, but like um, obstacles that you came and rise rose to the occasion for, and really just showed us that it's all about the mindset and how you approach things and take approach things and take things one thing at a time. And even if it takes ten years, you'll eventually get there. <laughs> Thank you so much. (laughs) This was an incredible privilege. Uh, You're you're fantastic at this. Thank you again so much for inviting me. It's really an honor. So Amy, if our listeners wanted to find out a little bit more about you and what you're doing and learn more about your journey in the space, where's the best place that they can go to find out more? Sure. So they can go to thequattroway.com, spelled Q-U-A-T-T-R-O.com slash Amy Silvis. I've got kind of a funky last name. So I have a feeling my name hopefully will be in the show notes. <laughs> yes. You can also find me on LinkedIn as well, where I love to share what we're doing in, in multifamily. You can get in touch with me there. Awesome. Thank you so much again, Amy. I really appreciate it. Uh, thank you. And thank you for listening to our podcast today, brought to you by Bonavest Capital. We would really appreciate it if you can go to iTunes right now and leave a rating and written review. Also, please don't forget to subscribe so you can always get the latest episodes. You can also connect with us on Facebook, How Did They Do It Real Estate. We'd love to hear your feedback and any topics that you're interested in for future episodes. Lastly, to learn more about us, you can go to bonifestcapital.com and fill out the contact us page so you can speak to us directly. Nothing on the show should be considered as specific personal advice. Please consult your legal, tax, and real estate professionals for individualized advice.